it's showtime. 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 Guess who's back again? Oh, they don't know. Oh, they don't know. I bet they know as soon as we walk in. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Group Chat Podcast Episode 3 here, and today is going to be a very special episode as Major League Baseball kicks off tomorrow, April 1st. So I wanted to give you my Cleveland Indians uh, season preview as well as mix in a little bit of the regular overall Major League preview. But today we're just going to be talking a lot about the Cleveland Indians. And so, yeah, I just wanted to do this. I know it's just me. Zach isn't going to be on on this one. When it comes to baseball, like I told you, I'm, I'm big into baseball. Zach, not so much. So, you know, I wanted to give you my thoughts on the Cleveland Indians this year as well as, you know, sprinkling a little bit about the rest of the league. So getting into it this year, you know, the Cleveland Indians coming off last year, the COVID short season, they were 35 and 25. They made it to the playoffs and then they quickly exited the playoffs. A lot happened in this offseason with the unfortunate but expected trade of everyone's favorite, my favorite, your favorite, Francisco Lindor, Mr. Smile. He's gone off to New York along with Carlos Cookie Carrasco. They were part of a, I would say, a big blockbuster trade as they brought back Jimenez, the shortstop. They'll probably, well, I know will be the shortstop of the team this year, along with Ahmed Rosario and a few other lower end prospect like a ball double a ball prospects that the Indians have proven that they can um get in maximize that talent and contribute in the MLB system so yeah we're, we're you know we're getting into this uh this year um that was just a very sad way to start off the podcast and I apologize to all my Indians fans out there as you know we, you know the Indians aren't the team that's going to be dropping 400 mil on a player, no matter how many years he could be here for 40 years. You're not drop; they're not dropping 400 mil on a player. So it was expected, but it didn't hurt any less. You know, if you're an Indians fan listening to this, you understand it. You've gone through this. I mean, I'm 33, so I've gone through this. You know, the 90s was something special. Contracts weren't as expansive as they are now and we are able to bring in guys like Roberto Alomar and Travis Fryman and David Justice and keep Manny Ramirez you know we lost Albert Bell to money back in the day but I remember that was what like 33 million and everyone was going up in arms about that now 33 million is you know that's going out to average players you know 33 mil over what like five or seven years was that with Albert Bell I don't remember exactly you know I was only eight years old at the time but you know this isn't that time of the year that, that time of the the market, the market has drastically changed, and the Indians, as they are, and I shouldn't, I guess, I guess, I guess maybe I shouldn't call them the Indians. We'll call them that for the last year here, because they are in the midst of a name change as well. Just a lot happening, uh, baseball and non-baseball this off season, but they're not going to be able to keep a guy like that around. And you know, I understand the pandemic really handcuffed the Dolans financially and they needed to meet and they needed to get down to this payroll. So they cut, that's why they traded away um, Lindor and that's why they traded away Carrasco and that's why they let Brad hand walk and they didn't look to try to resign Santana. Although I think again, baseball wise, that made a lot of sense for what this team was going to be this year. But you know, it, it doesn't hurt any less. And I've always been in the main thing is that these owners have a lot of money <clears throat> And I don't understand how they how how they can go from being a hundred and twenty million dollar payroll, which they were during the height of some of these uh, good years from sixteen to seventeen to eighteen, to now being 
the third worst. I think it was the third worst payroll. There was, I think I remember reading something. There's 21 MLB players, single one player, getting paid more than the Cleveland's entire Major League roster. That's astronomically bad. And, and in my in my thing, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't be like that. But again, we're dealing with what the Dolans are saying is their budget that they need to be at for this season. If that's what it is, it is what it is. But it doesn't make all of our Indians fans feel any better about what they did this offseason and chopping up a lot of this roster. Now, I am on the other, I think I'm in the, the I'm always a little bit more positive than most. It is in my everyday life, especially when it comes to sports. If you check out with my group chat, which, you know, they'll tell you the same thing. I'm always a little bit more positive than the most. I'm always above and benefit of the doubt and this, that, and the other. But with this Cleveland Indians front office, they're, they've been put in this situation now for a few years. They deserve the benefit of the doubt. I used to say the Browns, oh, they needed the benefit. Of, no, they didn't. They, they they were bad for a while. Now they now they kind of get the benefit of the doubt for what they do. If you have success, you get the benefit of the doubt. Over the last eight years, there's no baseball team. In, there's no baseball team in the major league system right now that has been better than the Cleveland Indians, in my opinion, when it comes to what they have for what they are allowed to do. You know, we're not the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Angels or the Dodgers that has unlimited budgets. I wish that was the case, but it's just not the way this market's made up. And a lot of that can be put on for the attendance and this, that, and the other. But I will say this, though. The Cleveland Indians regional TV market is usually is tops when it comes to most viewed in, in, in nationally. So, you know, when you look at it, I think like St. Louis Cardinals are always number one, and that's the that's that's St. Louis, man. That's what they do. But the Indians are usually top five in viewership for their regional cable network, which is, you know, you, you know that there's eyeballs there. There has been a problem getting fans into the stands, and I, I don't know how to solve it. If I knew how to solve that, I'd probably be working for them right now. So, understandably, I understand, understandably, understand. I get why... They are saying they're screaming out like, hey, the money's not there. You know, they want a full season without any attendance there for the the COVID strike season there. And they're paying their players and all this other stuff. I I just think that they, they, that the ownership group restricts themselves. I think they want to be, they want to be the team that spends the least. And I, and I get this. I think every team would be able, would want to, would want to work in this model, spend the least, win the most. I don't want these Cleveland Indians to turn into the Oakland A's and the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, we are in the midst of a name change. The city's lease for uh, for Progressive Field comes up in 2000 at the end of 2023. If new ownership's going to come in, it's a little bit scary. Like they are they have every opportunity. The payroll's low. The team the new ownership group can come in and and uh, change the name, and also they could change the location. So, the you know, I, as much as I don't like the Dolans, I love the Indians being in Cleveland. I'm not saying that there is this whole thing that's gonna that they're gonna leave. Now, there are uh, laws that have been put in when the Cleveland Browns left that you had the the Indians if they would want to leave, and there are some rumblings. So I'm not just making this up. There are some rumblings that this could be something that happens, but. 
the city will have a chance would have a chance to buy them off of, or they would be able to put a group together to buy it off of them to keep them in Cleveland before they're able to move. That's what happened with the Cleveland Browns. They put that law in. It actually surfaced a little bit with the Columbus Crew down here, where I live right now, currently in Columbus, Ohio, where the crew were going to move, and these laws got enacted, and they didn't really want to fight them, and they think that you know. Not many people think that these laws, this law is anything that actually can't be protested in the courts and everything like that. I don't know. But, you know, I'm getting off track a little bit, but this is what I'm talking about. It, it seems like the, in, the, the front of the, the ownership group has put themselves in the, uh, the, the position, if they wanted to sell the team, this is the perfect time to do it. The payroll's dirt cheap. You can change your name. And unfortunately, with anything, without any legal ramifications, there are, there is an opportunity that you could move, and there are plenty, 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 plenty of towns that want a Major League Baseball franchise. So let, let's get away from that. I just wanted to kind of talk over the constraints that this Indians front office have dealt with and why I give them the benefit of the doubt because they've been able to put together one of, if I think it might be in the last eight years, the winningest organization in Major League Baseball when it comes to regular season. It's either the last eight or the last five years. I can't remember exactly, but the Cleveland Indians are, if not the most winningest organization, they are top five winningest organization since in the last eight years, since, since Tito Francona has taken over this team. So what they're able to do with all the little resources that are provided to them by, by the ownership group, is simply outstanding. So I'm going to be optimistic that this front office has put together a team that will be able to move forward and win some baseball games this year. And I'll get you what I think they're going to finish and where do I think that they're going to be a playoff team. I'll get to that when I go over my official predictions and previews, each division, each team here, the next segment. But I just wanted to kind of go over the Indians' opening day roster. Excuse me there. I wanted to go over their opening day roster with you and, you know, talk over you know what they've done what they can do positional battles that have happened over the spring training all that good stuff so let's get into that the Indians opening day roster catcher their starting catcher is going to be Roberto Perez Roberto Perez is an A-plus defensive catcher he is the best defensive catcher in Major League Baseball and there's bar none I, I, I've seen it firsthand I used to work with the Akron Arrows down in double A when he was there when I have a nice sparkly championship ring when I worked with the Akron Arrows he was our starting everyday catcher he is bar none the best defensive catcher I've ever seen I, you know I again I've not seen Pudge live I've not seen some of these other catchers Yadier Molina is very very good as well in his prime but Roberto Perez right now is the best defensive catcher in baseball it's not even close two time gold the last two gold gloves he is a D batter, though. He he does not have consistency with his bat that you would like to see. But his his defense, what his what he does with the pitching staff and what he does uh, behind the plate defensively, it's irreplaceable. And that's why Roberto Perez, on a good contract, is going to be the starting catcher for the Indians this year. I enjoy watching Roberto Perez play catcher. I don't enjoy watching him hit. He had, you know, back uh, 2019, he had a 20 home run plus season. I think he's more in the middle of, so last year he was a 
it was it was an easy out every time he came up. It was really bad. And then a couple years, two years ago, he was a twenty three to twenty five home run hitter. I think he's somewhere in the middle of that. I don't think he is. I think he's a C hitter at best, and that's what we hope for. If you're a Cleveland Indians fan, you're hoping that he gets about runs into about fifteen home runs. Hopefully, he bats about two thirty, two forty. That would be very good improvement for his one ninety something that he was batting for the majority of last year. He'll drive in about forty fifty runs, and if he can contribute just a little bit. Offensively, his defense is what, and his what the way he controls the pitching game is absolutely second to none in Major League Baseball right now, and I love it. So as much as people, and as much as I get on it, and I absolutely hate him halfway through the season because he's not hitting. I think he is the perfect catcher because of what he does for this pitching staff, which is young now, very very young, and I think he's going to have to get them through this every day, this this first year for a lot of these guys going through a full season as a projected MLB starter. So Roberto Perez is the starting catcher. Starting first baseman, it's not my favorite thing right now. It's Jake Bowers. Now, I'm not sitting here saying I don't like Jake Bowers. What I'm saying is, is the only reason he's a starting first baseman of this team right now is because he was out of options. It's, it was plain and simple what Terry Francona said when he made his roster announcement a couple days ago. They didn't want to make an irreplaceable, like a. They didn't want to make a decision, error, or you know, they they didn't want to make the decision of, of of having to cut Bowers or put him through waivers and losing him. They didn't want to make that decision, the permit decision. There, they wanted to see what he can do in the regular season to start off, and then um, Bobby Bradley, who has absolutely done everything to become the starting first baseman for the Cleveland Indians, he took the offseason super serious. He went and did everything Francona wanted him to do. He hit when he was in the in the uh, pre season there in spring training but he had options so he got down to the taxi squad and um in may he will be the starting first baseman of the columbus clippers if jake bowers lasts that long jake bowers has been one of those enigmas for me as a cleveland indian fan i you know he was a part of the yandy diaz trade to tampa bay now yandy diaz has become an everyday third baseman for that team now People are mad, like, oh, look at that. Like, Yandy Diaz didn't have a future in this club. The the infield positions that he was uh, playing were solidified by Jose Ramirez and uh, Francisco Lindor, and at the time, Kipnis and now Cesar Hernandez at second base. He wasn't going to play everyday infielding, uh, and, and he wasn't an everyday infielder with the Cleveland Indians, okay? So they got rid of him. I, I, don't, I don't mind that. They brought in a guy in Jake Bowers that could play some outfield, that could play some first base, and he can rake a little bit. At least that's what his numbers suggest. Suggested his advanced stats were a lot better than his actual stats, and so the Indians analytically thought that this guy fits well. Left-handed power, you know, bring him up. He could play a lot of different positions. So he's going to get the everyday role at first base, and I'm not mad about it. I just think he, that Bobby Bradley deserved it. And and, and you know, if, if whatever you want to say about the Indians. They're gonna want the control, and Bobby Bradley goes down. He comes. He won't come up for you know a couple weeks if that's the case. If Jake Bowers isn't the guy, and then they have him for longer. Yeah, whatever. I get that, but I just thought Bobby Bradley deserved it. Pro- prove me wrong, Bowers. Please, please prove me wrong. Jake Bowers will be batting in that six-seven hole for the Cleveland Indians this year, and. You know, if he can rake and he can get some hits and he can get on base, you know, if he can get to that 260, 270, hit about 15, 20 home runs, drive in about 50, 60 runs, play good first base because he does have a good glove at first base. Um, now, he's not a gold glover, but he does have that up on Bobby Bradley. I just think Bobby Bradley, if you give him every day at bats, has the potential of being a 30, a 30 home run, 80-plus RBI guy, but he will bat about 250, 260. But he cut down on his strikeouts too, too, so... 
I'm I'm very interested to see how that position winds up with uh Mike with Michael Brad, Michael Bradley. Bobby Bradley, excuse me, down in the uh minor league minor leagues and Jake Bowers getting those every everyday first baseman that first base reps. Let's see if that proves to be a smart decision again. In Tito, I trust. In the front office, I trust. So I'm going to let them go with this one. Second base, when they brought him back, Cesar Hernandez. What a, an unbelievable signing by the Cleveland Indians last year. A very cheap one, and they got him back another one. Very cheap again. He took over J- Jason Kipnis, who was a fan favorite. One of my favorite Indians of all time. But again, you're not. he wasn't hitting. He wasn't really fielding well. Cesar Hernandez comes in and plays great defense. He hits. He has some pop. A lot of doubles last year. Speed at the top of the lineup. He'll get on base. I absolutely love that they brought him back. He's a guy that I really trust. And he is a solid top 10 starting second baseman in the American in the in the league excuse me in the American league of course but in the league I I think it's a it's a stroke of genius by this Cleveland Indians front office to get him for what the price that they got him I love it so Cesar Hernandez I won't talk much about him because we know about him he's gonna get on base he's gonna hit doubles he has some pop he didn't show a ton of home run pop last year I think he had three or four he averages about 15 17 home runs in his career so he's a little bit of pop but he's a double gaps Get on base, steal some bases, score runs. That's the guy we need right now at the top of the lineup, especially with my boy Frankie Lindor gone. At third base, we have MVP candidate every single year. He'll climb into the top five of the MVP race. It's Jose Ramirez on the best contract in the history of Major League Baseball. Now, that's, I know that's a lie, but he is truly underpaid for his, for what he does for this Cleveland Indians team. Now, this year it's going to be a little different for him because he doesn't have a lot of that protection around the lineup that he had last year. And by protection, I mean Francisco Lindor. And I know Lindor hit usually hit before him, but you didn't really want to put Lindor on base because then if you if you didn't pitch to Lindor and you walked him, then you had Jose coming up. A lot of gas with Cesar Hernandez. There was a lot of opportunities for Jose Ramirez to put something in the gap and get on base and get and drive in get some ribbies there. This year, with they did bring in a couple guys that I'll talk about. Or they did bring in a guy that I talked about that's going to really help him. I think he's going to get sandwiched in between two guys. Eddie Rosario is one of those guys I was telling you about. And then Fran Mil Reyes. I think he's going to get sandwiched in between those guys in the lineup. So that way he has the ultimate protection. If you don't want to pitch to him, then those guys got to hit. And I think they will this year. And that's why I'm very high on what this. I'm a little higher than most on what the people think with this Indian offense. But going back to Jose Ramirez, by the way, I mean, the guy just, what, finished, what, second or third in MVP last year. Um, I think he actually fifth. I'm sorry, fifth. He finished an MVP last year. Um, the guy hits. The guy does what he does. The guy is... He is what the epitome of what a Cleveland Indian should be. The guy, he has a little bit of bravado about him. You know, he he plays around, has a good time on the baseball field. But when it comes to getting up there and hitting the ball, the guy absolutely rakes. He goes through some slumps like everyone else. And I'm talking like he goes through some bad slumps. But when he's hot, he's white hot. Best. He, he's one of the best third basemen in baseball. And I don't care if you think I'm homering this. I think I might be considering that there are are some great third basemen in this league but the guy consistently has been unbelievable since he took over the the the, the starting job at the third at third base i, I can't say much I, I can't say enough great things about jose ramirez and what the cleveland what he means to this cleveland indians team this year and going few, going into the future because they do have two team options for the next two years after this year with that contract which again is a steal of a contract. 
So let's move over to shortstop. And again, we, we can keep talking about this. Francisco Lindor is gone. Um, the mainstay at shortstop since he's come up in 2015. Top five shortstop in the league. Top 15 player in MLB baseball when he's on his when he's at his height. We don't have him anymore. But we got this guy, Andres Jimenez, that we got from the New York Mets that has this spring really taken over that shortstop role. And, I, you know, let's be optimistic, man. The kid is... The kid is just being himself. He's not trying to be Francisco Lindor. And what I mean by that, obviously, is that he's not trying to go in there and hit 25 home runs. He's not trying to be the top five shortstop in the in the league right now. The kid has just been up there, taking solid at-bats, playing great defensively. His glove is a lot better than I thought. His analytics were kind of a little jaded there. He doesn't have a lot of major league experience so when i looked at his analytics there was a little defensively especially i was like uh this could be a little rough he's actually it looks a lot smoother on the field it looks like he's really taken this off season when he got traded from the mets and he's like i'm gonna come in i have a chance to be the starting everyday shortstop for the cleveland indians and he took it and he is He's made it. He's really taken this position for himself in a position battle with guys like Yu Chang, a guy that's been here for a while, and Ahmed Rosario, a guy we got in that same deal. They all play shortstop or all want to get some at-bats and want to play and get some you know, reps at shortstop, and he's taken that for himself. So with competition, he's earned it. It wasn't just given to him when 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 he got traded here. So... I actually enjoy it. Now, he's not going to be a guy that's going to pop off, you know, hit 30 home runs like Lindor has been doing. You know, we don't know much about his major league power. He doesn't have a ton of at-bats. He had some last year. And, you know, he's averaging about a 260, 270 guy. But in spring training, he's really taken to that 280 range. He's really, again, just has had some good at-bats this offseason and in this spring training where I think that he will be a plus in the category of uh, the defense, I think he'll be very Lindor-like. Now, Lindor is one of the best defensive players in the league, but you know, last year you kind of saw it. And it you know, I'm not going to try to beat people down last year because last year was such a weird year. But Lindor, over the last two years, his numbers have been going down analytically, offensively, and defensively. <clears throat> now, again, I don't know if that's just a lot of it has to do with the contract and you know, uh, COVID. All this other stuff, but his numbers were decreasing a little bit. And I think with a guy like Andres Jimenez, they're, he's gonna be a guy that's not gonna replace him, but is going to do what he thinks he can do. What he can do to make the shortstop position his, and it'll be a little different the way that the Indians go about what they're hitting and their defense. And I think that that's a good. He's a good guy to go there right now with considering what we get. Obviously, what we lost with Francisco Lindor. So I'm very high on Jimenez. So that that's just me at shortstop. Uh, we'll go to the outfield positions where to be completely honest with you i know one everyday guy everyday eddie rosario that's the only guy i know that's going to be playing every day everyday eddie rosario a guy that we signed on a one-year deal i think another steal another smart move for this cleveland indians team now i i'm really i'm really high on a guy like eddie rosario I personally also wanted them to bring in another outfielder like Hunter Renfro, who signed a one-year, $5 million deal with the Boston Red Sox. Or Jock Peterson, who signed like a one-year, $7 million deal with the Chicago Cubs. I wanted them to bring in someone else 
that could also play every day with Eddie Rosario. And then you can kind of platoon in right field or left field or center field. You have a one-guy platoon there between your Josh Naylor, your Jordan Luplo, your 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 um, Ahmed Rosario, who will be playing in the outfield this year. It seems that that's the route they want to go. I, I just... I like Eddie Rosario. I love that move. The guy has hit, this guy's averaging over the last couple years, 30 home runs, 80 RBIs, about a 270 hitter. Pencil that in. Now, there are some people out there that are saying, well, he did a lot of damage against the Cleveland Indians. And that is true. He was he, he hit the Cleveland Indians around. Now, my thing is, is that he's, instead of seeing it, the jersey against it, he's wearing it every day, so he's just going to continue those numbers, correct? You know, that's what I think, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, Everyone's trying to be down on this guy. I think the guy's going to hit 30 home runs. He is your offensive replacement for Francisco Lindor. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do the same things that Lindor did. You're not trying to replace Lindor with one with, with one individual player. Now, this is something that they didn't have last year. Production in the outfield. So, now they're spreading around their offensive production, bringing in a guy like Eddie Rosario. And, you know, they're trying, and Rosario's defensively is not one of those high analytic guys defensively. So, you're losing a little bit there. But I think they're gaining more offense, which means, you know, the defense can slack a little bit if you're going to, a guy that can rake. And that's a guy, Eddie Rosario, he's a pro hitter. And I like, I love the mood, the move. So the other guys that are probably going to be everyday guys, obviously I think Josh Naylor will be the everyday left fielder until he loses it. I mean, the guy during the during the trade right after the trade during the season was a he was a mixed bag when it came to his offense, but when that two, that two game series against the New York Yankees in the playoffs, the guy was amazing. Put in as I was reading earlier, a Ruthian type of postseason there with those two games. He was absolutely amazing, crushing the ball, hitting. He was the best offensive option for the Cleveland Indians during the playoffs. But that was a very small sample size. We're gonna get. We're gonna see what he's going to be as an everyday guy out there. Again, defensively, he's not up there as one of the best defensive guys out there. But if he can rake. Again, you'll make that up with the offense. So right now, it looks like Ben Gamble will be our starting center fielder. Kind of a guy that came out of nowhere, won the center field job. I I still think they should have went with Oscar Mercado. I know he had a really, really, really disappointing uh, year last year. But again, I don't want to hold too much against people for last year. Because it was the COVID year, it was a weird offseason, your routine was taken away. This year you get your routine back, and I would have loved to have seen them go with Oscar Mercado. Ben Gamble, to me, you know exactly what he is. He's he's actually, like, people are sitting there going, like, well, at least the defense. He's actually a, a minus defensive guy out there. Analytically speaking, he is not a really good um uh, defensive outfielder and his offense production his career hasn't been up to the standard of why they would want something like that I think with two guys on the outside there that are just average to a little bit below average defensively on the corners I would have loved to have seen a guy like Oscar Mercado out there patrolling center field a great defensive option that has proven two years ago that he has a capable bat that can be very well a 280 hitter hit some home runs driving some runs I like I would have loved to have seen them go with Oscar Mercado. They have, I know he has options, so I know he's going to be up here. I don't think Ben Gamble is a guy. I just don't think he's the guy to be the center fielder. And then, again, I know why Tito loves him. I personally am not a fan of Jordan Luplo. Jordan Luplo can hit left-handed pitching, yes. 
That's all he can do. He is a really bad outfield defensively. He's a, he's a horrible defensive outfielder. He is not very good against right-handed pitching. And last year, his numbers against left-handed pitching was terrible. Now, again, I, I can't use this as an argument why I don't like him when it comes to the numbers last year because I've already said that you shouldn't look too much into numbers last year. I've just never been a Jordan Luplo fan. It's it's me. It's a personal thing. You know, he when he when he's hitting, he is a a very serviceable guy to have there. The problem is, is the guy only gets a certain amount of at bats. So if he's slumping, he's really bad. And I remember last year, I think he started off the season one for twenty nine. It's not. He's not the answer out there. But I understand why Tito likes him. Because he's a professional hitter and he doesn't complain about his he, he 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 does what he needs to do to be ready for when he needs to play and there's something to be said about that because if you have a young guy up there that's not playing as much you're wasting you know his at bats that he can get, be getting down in the alternate spring site or once you know once May hits and there's double uh, A AA and triple A baseball they can send him there and I understand that so if they really don't want Mercado or a guy like Zimmer to be taking just be sitting on the bench not playing for five six games. Uh, like Luplo does, because they wanted them to get more at-bats. So I understand that part of it. But again, I just, he's not for me. Just put it that way. And then they have Ahmed Rosario. I think a guy that they need to figure out how to get his bat in the lineup as much as possible. He is a guy right now without a position. They tried him in center field for a, center field for a spring training game. He uh, had three errors in the first inning before I think an out was recorded. Uh, he is not the best defensive shortstop. You know, second base is already pretty much covered. Third base is pretty much covered. First base, you're going to roll out with Jake Bowers, and I don't know if you want to put him over there. DH, which I'll talk about in a minute, is Framil Reyes' spot. So there's he's kind of a guy positionless right now. So I would like to maybe see him play some left field, you know, on nights that you want to give uh, Naylor a break. Or, you know, he, you have to figure out a way to get his bat in the lineup. The guy has pop. He's a 270, 280 hitter, a few uh, few years ago, he was one of the top prospects in baseball with the New York Mets. Um, he can, he has some pop. He has some pop in his bat. And I, I think the Indians are going to need someone like him to provide that pop at the bottom half of the lineup. So I think they need to figure out a way to get him in the lineup more than just being a guy that takes, like, you know, gives a guy a, a, a you know, a break every couple days. Like, it, it, he's going to figure out, they're going to need him. And maybe it's him with Jimenez. I, maybe Andres Jimenez is not going to be a guy that gets every single game shortstop reps. And they bring in uh, Ahmed Rosario, play some shortstop. They bring him to play some outfield. Very similar, maybe, to what Jose Ramirez did a few years before when he got his uh, start up with the uh, the Indians, where he played some third, he played some second, he played some short to give Francisco, he played some left field when we had some injury problems with Michael Brantley, a guy like that that's just going to kind of play everywhere and do everything and provide some hit uh, pop in the lineup. That I like Ahmed Rosario. I, I I do believe that they do need to figure out a way for him to get his bat in there very as much as possible. And then speaking of bats, Framil Reyes is going to be our DH. He's not going to play much outfield if, unless there's some injury problems that they need him to play, or if they're playing some double headers, he might get some uh, right field look. The guy's just not an everyday outfielder uh, when it comes. That's why he's in the American League. He's a typical DH. But this dude needs to rake this year. He needs to be the 30, 40 home run guy. He needs to drive in 90 to 110 runs. He needs to be about 270 to 280. He needs to be the linchpin, the big dog of this offense. Because if he's not... 
that Jose Ramirez is going to see less and less good pitches. Same with Eddie Rosario. And you're going to put it on guys like Naylor. You're going to put it on guys like Bowers. And you're going to put it on guys like Perez to be your RBI guys. And I'm not sure that's what the Indians are looking with those players to be those guys. So Framro Reyes has got a rake this year. I believe he will. I, I'm a huge fan of Fran Mill. When he connects with the ball, it's big time. And last year he was very, very good. People people underestimated him. They they looked past him last year. He was a very good player. He was a, a almost an all-star last year. So I really like him. He just needs to stay away from these huge slumps. It's baseball. Everyone's going to have some slumps. But he has to stay away from his like 4 out of 36 type of slumps. He needs to stay away from that. I think he's a better hitter than he's he's a power guy, of course. He's gonna hit the ball hard and far, but he really needs to be a guy that also that drives and runs and moves runners over as well because he needs to be the linchpin of that. He needs to be the guy in that middle lineup that there's fear from. Because if there's no fear, then good luck because then let's go down to the you're gonna have to pitch. So you have Austin Hedges, who's a backup catcher. He's Roberto Perez point two, uh, two point but he's just not as good defensively. And then you're gonna have Yu Chang be your utility infielder guy that needs guy that was hoping to get some everyday look at shortstop. But I like him as a guy that could play some third. He could play some second. Play some short. He's a guy that's gonna be able to play the infield and give guys days off when they need it. Now let's move over to the pitching staff. Um, the strength. It's obviously the strength of this team. This is the strength of the organization. It's everything. So starters, you have Shane Bieber, Cy Young, second or third in MVP voting last year. Phenomenal. What what else can I say about a top five, top ten pitcher in baseball? That's what he is right now. He's very young still, so there is some worry around the MLB that maybe he, you know, with a full season, is he still going to be as dominant? That's the big question mark for this 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 whole entire pitching staff. You know, during that sprint last year of those what sixty yeah sixty game season, um, they were able to pitch and be well and do all this stuff. Now you go to one hundred sixty two games, are you going to still have that same? Every day, bring it attitude that this pitching staff brought last year. So you have Shane Bieber, top. He's going to anchor your staff. He's a Cy Young potential pitcher. These other guys, the next three are very important for the overall success of this baseball team. Zach Plezak. You know, I, when I think of Zach Plezak, you obviously you know about that time last year in Chicago where he broke, broke COVID protocol with Clevenger, and then Clevenger got dealt. Please, that got suspended. He was having a really good year. His his career has been, uh, he's had a really good start to his career. And then you look at analytics. And I know analytics doesn't mean everything. But when you look at his spin rate on his curveballs and his sliders and everything like that, they're not impressive. They're, they're not like, they're not up there with like, the Verlanders of the world, you know, when Verlander had a spin rate as big as he was. His fastball doesn't top out at anything huge, and he doesn't have a lot of break uh, with his fastballs either. He has two seams, his four seams. They're all kind of on the same plane, but he's been very good. So, you know, this is one of those things that analytics shows that, you know, maybe he's not as good of a pitcher that he is, than he, and he has been, but he has been. I think with Plezak, it's a mentality thing. And you see it, the way he carries himself, the way he walks, the way he talks. He thinks he's a Cy Young picture. And when you think you are and you and you have that mentality, you are able to probably even convince yourself that you're, you know, you're better than you are. Now, I'm not saying that he's bad. I'm just saying that analytics do not support him 
as much as it does other pitchers that are like talent with him. That's all I'm saying. He's very talented. He throws the ball well. He has a very good slider. Now, he doesn't have a huge break with that slider, but it's a very even playing with his fastball. And at the end, it hits, has that little hick, little hitch, that little slide there. And, um, you know, so he, he, he's very good that way. He has a very plus slider. But everything else is kind of just meh according to analytics I, I love him I think he's a guy that's going to be very good this year and he's going to eat up some innings and pitch very well for the Cleveland Indians then the next guy who the analytics absolutely love is Savali Savali is a guy that he doesn't throw top speed but his spin rate is one of the best in baseball his curveball his his curveball his sliders his change it's very very he's a very very good pitcher He's, you know, last year he had, he's one of those guys that has these unbelievable games, has a few duds every once in a while. That's every pitcher, though. But he's a very consistent pitcher, and when he's on, he is on. So Savali with Plezak, I think those are a good two and three right there. And then you have McKenzie, Tristan McKenzie. He is everyone's, like, you know, star this year that everyone's talking about. I'm not talking about just Indians fans. I'm talking about all across Major League Baseball. People are watching this kid pitch because he has plus fastball. The guy has great spin rate. The guy has it. He has that it factor. And then his mechanics are very good. It doesn't look like the guy's throwing hard, and next thing you know, the ball's past you. He has very good mechanics. He's a twig. I mean, sticks. That's what they nickname him. So he he generates a lot of power coming from a very small frame body. So I'm very excited to see a full season of him. You're going to have some up and downs, people. We can't expect him to be dominant. Now, if he is, I'm loving it. If I don't think he, I think he's going to be a guy that has very good games. He's going to have a few duds, but overall, and I know this, I'm trying to, maybe when I'm saying this, I kind of sound stupid about it because this is every pitcher. I think overall, though, he's going to have a lot more bad than good. He, he, he just, he just pumps the ball. I, 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 I've watched, you know, I watched him pitch. He doesn't remind me of a lot of guys being so tall, so skinny, but generates so much power. It's just absolutely incredible, and I love every minute of watching him pitch. And he's must-see TV for me this year when it comes to when there's a guy up there outside of Bieber that I want to watch throw, it's going to be Tristan McKenzie. And finally, I think the last starter for me, now they the Indians will have a little bit of benefit for this, being a team that plays in the North that they are, uh, there's going to be a lot of off days the first few weeks of the season. So they're actually going to be able to move just with four starters for, I think, about three weeks. But I think once that does happen, Logan Allen will take over that. A former uh, top 100 prospect has dealt with a little bit of injuries. Um, he was a part of the uh, Clevenger trade. Now, if he comes on, is, is, and his talent is up there, guys. He is one of the. He was obviously he's a top 100 guy when um, before he got before he's gone through some injuries. He pitched really well at the end of the year last year for the Indians. Um, but at the end of the day, I think he. I know they have Kale Quantrill as a guy. I like Quantrill in the uh, bullpen. I think he's a really good middle reliever. Be able to throw that stuff like he did last year. He was one of our better bullpen guys, and he'll be in the. He'll be in the obviously be in the bullpen this year as well. But I'm really big fan of Logan Allen. Lefty, too, so it brings a little bit of variety. You know, you have Bieber, Plezak, Savali, McKenzie. Now, there's some differences in the way they pitch, but they're all right-handed. Um, I think Logan Allen brings that leftiness that they need. That every I think every starting five needs a left-handed starter in there. Um, 
you know, the, you know, there's not a lot of tape on him in the major league level, especially as a starter. So you're, you know, you're really revolving, uh, relying on the, the 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 pitching coach and Tito back there analyzing everything that he's done this uh, this spring training. I like it. I think Logan Allen will be a solid five starter. And that's the thing. I think Logan Allen on a lot of other teams right now could be a fourth starter on a lot of other teams. McKenzie, I think, could be the number two starter on a lot of other teams. McKenzie, or, uh, Savali could be the number two starter on a lot of other teams. The Indians are uh, very rich at the starting position, um, well, start, at, at starting pitcher. And I think that that's a strength of this team with a lot. They just develop starting pitching well, so the wells keep on moving. Because you think about this, two years ago, you had Kluber... You had Carrasco, you had Bauer, you had Clevenger, and you had Bieber. That was your starting five. Bieber was your fifth starter. Two years later, Bieber is the number one starter and Cy Young winner. And now you have enough another fresh crop of young, talented pitchers that this Cleveland Indians uh, farm system has developed into starting pitching. Really good starting pitchers. So I'm really excited to see what this starting five can provide for this Indians team. I hope we don't see a lot of 2-1 Two nothing games. I hope these Indians, uh, the bats will wake up. And you know, if I think it'll be one of those things. If if you score four to five runs, if you score four to five runs as an offense, you're going to win a heck of a lot more than you're going to lose this year. And that is what you need to do. Put in three, four, five runs. I think last year the stat was for the longest time. If the Indians scored more than four, I think they were almost. I think I think they only lost like one or two games all season when they scored four or more plus runs. And they and I think they got off to. It wasn't the MLB record, but they were touching that for how many games in a row to start off the season, scoring four or more, and winning that uh, baseball game. So that's what I hope this team is going to be. Put up five runs, get get up get up to that four to five runs a game mark. Now that's a lot considering what this offense has right now. But if you can get to there, you're going to win a heck of a lot of baseball games. And then the relievers, you have James Karinchak going over and taking over for Brad Hand as the closer. But I did see that Tito is probably going to do a little bit of a closing by committee to start. You know, you have a guy in Nick Wickram who has been absolutely outstanding come out of the bullpen. You have Emmanuel Classe who came over in the Corey Kluber trade that has plus-plus stuff before he got caught popped for steroids. So let's see, or performance enhancers, whatever you want to call it. He is a guy that looks like he's, you know, throws 102 and he has great movement with his slider. So he's a guy that a lot of people are very high on. Now, James Karinchak last year was an absolute outstanding. He put up strikeout numbers that are unheard of in any level for any, whatever you're pitching, a starter, reliever, anything. He was averaging just insane amount of strikeouts per nine innings. He now goes and takes over the closing role. And you saw it a little bit last year. You know, he, he was in a lot of games because the Indians were in a lot of close games this year. And his arm, he just didn't have the same momentum the last few weeks into the playoffs that he had at the beginning of the year. So hopefully what they're trying to think maybe with Whitgram and Klasse and Karinchek, you don't put these guys in a whole bunch of high leverage situations early. And then you get to pick one out in like June to be your ride as a horse to go there. But I think that gives you a lot of versatility each night that, you know, if Karinchek just doesn't seem to have it, you have Klasse, you have Whitgram. That's a really good back end of the bullpen right there. Not saying it's one of the best, but it's one of the better ones in Major League Baseball. And then you have Phil Matten, Oliver Perez, Brian Shaw, Trevor Steven, and then you have Kale Quantrill. These guys are going to be some guys that will eat up innings for you. I personally really like Kale Quantrill. I think him with Whitgram, Klasse, and Karinchak will be from sixth inning on, could be deadly for a lot of teams out there. Um, 
So yeah, that's the bullpen, and that's the Cleveland Indians roster where I think that's where that's what right now, what, we, what you'll see tomorrow heading into the uh, opening day. Now let's do my MLB preview real quick. I won't take too much time with this as we're running up to you know we're running it up a little bit here. So my MLB preview. Let's start in the Central because you know that's where our Indians are. I think in fifth place the Detroit Tigers, which I think will be better, but I still think they're a fifth place team. The Royals are in fourth place. Now, again, I think the Royals are going to be better, too. But I still think that they don't have enough. I think the top three are your the White Sox, the Indians, and the Twins. So how I have them finishing, I'm not a big fan with the tw- of the Twins this year. Now, I think the Central Division, the winner of the division will be high 80s in win total. I think there's a lot of talent in this division, and they're going to beat up on each other. I think the Twins will finish third. I think the Cleveland Indians will finish second in the division with a chance. Again, the the Twins, I believe, have a chance. The Indians, I believe, have a chance. And the White Sox, I think, will win the division. Now, what is concerning if you're a White Sox fan is you just lost Eloy Jimenez for five to six weeks with a... um, I think he had a bicep pull, or he tore a bicep muscle when he was trying to rob a home run. Absolutely, unbelievably freak accident that um, really sets them back. You know, I, you know they have a lot there offensively. They have a, with Louis Robert, and you know they have Tim Anderson, and they got good pitching, and they've added some stuff there. I, I think the White Sox are still able to win this division, but I think it's 88-89 wins that's going to win this division. So I think the Indians and the Twins both have a chance at winning this division. In the East, I have the Orioles finishing at the bottom. I have the Red Sox finishing fourth, which again is just weird to say, Red Sox fourth place. I think the defending American League champions will finish third. I just This year is a little different. I don't think that the Rays, personally, I just don't think the Rays have enough this year to compete with what this division has done. The Blue Jays have come out and went out and signed George Springer. They have a lot of young talent, the young pitching talent. You have Adelmer Guerrero Jr. You have Biggio Jr. You have everyone, or Calvin Biggio, sorry, not Biggio Jr., Vlad Jr., Calvin, uh, Calvin Biggio. I think that that team is prime to make a big push for the playoffs this year. And I think the Yankees are going to win the East. They have the most talent. They have the most money, blah, blah, blah. Out West, I think the Rangers will finish fifth. Seattle will finish fourth. I think Oakland will finish third. The Angels will finish second. And I, I, this this Angels team with Trout and Rondon, and they, they get the pitching, they're going to be a team. Which if Shohei Atani can be a pitcher hitter and do what he does, what he's done in, in Japan, that could be a major plus for this Angels team. And I think that they're going to make the playoffs this year and finish in the second position Houston out west, we all don't like Houston, but they are going to win that division. So let's move over to the National League Central, where I think the Pirates are going to be one of the worst teams in baseball. There's a lot of hype around the team, the other team in Ohio that I live two hours from, the Cincinnati Reds. I just don't see it. I don't. They lost Bauer. They were a 500-ish team with Bauer on that roster. You know, they. I know they have Castellanos. I know they have Moustakis. I know they have, you know, they, I know they have these these dreams of winning this division. I just don't see it. I don't think they have enough horses. They have a lack of depth out there that they've lost. And they traded away Rysel Iglesias to the back half of their bullpen. I just don't see it. Sonny Gray is going to have to have a, a, a Cy Young caliber season for this, for this starting five to be as productive. I, Castillo, I, I get it. I see a lot of talent there, but there's just better teams in the division. I have the Cubs finishing third. The Brewers finishing second with the nastiest, the nastiest back half of the bullpen in baseball. 
They 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 have the nastiest back half. If you get to a if they're winning, come seventh inning on, they're winning that game. There is no way that Williams and Hader will give up a lead. I mean, they, obviously there will be some times. They 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 just didn't last year. It's amazing what the back half of that bullpen is. And then the Central Division goes to the Cardinals. They got the big Nolan Nolan Arenado. They brought him in from the Rockies. They have Paul Goldschmidt. They have Yadier Molina. Pitching there is going to be a question mark. You know, they they, they you, you hope that you can get some guys like from Flaherty and Wainwright still there. You hope that you're going to get enough from them to compete and win a title. I think that they can win the Central Division um, going forward there. So the East, I have Miami. Everyone's darlings last year that made the playoffs. I, I just don't see it again this year. I just don't. I, you know, and I hope to be proven wrong because I love when these smaller teams start pulling their way up and play for a um, play for a World Series title, make the playoffs, that kind of stuff. It's not happening this year. I have the Nationals finishing fourth. It's a very competitive division in the NL East. I have the Nationals finishing fourth. I have the Phillies finishing third. I have the Mets finishing second. Everyone's picking the Mets. Now, I know they got Francisco Lindor. You got another year of Pete Alonso, But Noah Syndergaard's out for at least until June. I think they're going to struggle initially at the beginning of this season. Um, and the Atlanta Braves are stacked. I mean, Ronald Acuna Jr. might be the best player in baseball. Ozzy Osby's look like he's fantastic this spring training so far. They got Christian Pache, a high-level high guy in center field, high-level prospect. You got the... Um, Defending NFL, <laughs> National League most valuable player and Freddie Freeman, they are stacked. They are going to win this division. And there's a lot of people out there that have the Mets winning it. I don't see it. Braves win the uh, National League East and out West. You have the Rockies who just are dumping everybody. Blah blah blah. They're done. They're going to be one of the worst teams in baseball this year. I have Arizona finishing fourth. Very close division when it comes to these positions. Uh, third and fourth. I have the Giants finishing third. The Padres who have one of the most electric stars in baseball, and Fernando Tatis Jr. Also, that bring in Mike Clevenger last year. They still have Manny Machado. They are a team that's going to compete in the National League this year. Mark my words, the Dodgers are not going to win the World Series this year. I'm taking the field, but the Dodgers will win the NL West. They are just stacked. They're the defending um, defending World Series champs. Mookie Betts is still there playing phenomenal baseball, of course. You brought in Trevor Bauer to be, what, your seventh starter? I mean, I know I'm joking there because they're just stacked. They have uh, Walker Bueller. Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Bauer. I mean, they they are early or Urias, whatever. I can't, I can never pronounce his last name. They and then they have what Dustin May there too. They are stacked pitching. It's just for me really hard for teams to to, to repeat. But they have every they have Cody Bellinger. They are absolutely stacked. But I don't know. I just, I you know, I don't have a prediction of who's going to win. I think the Cardinals have a very good chance of winning the World Series this year. The Yankees, the White Sox, the Astros. I think there's dark horse teams like the Cleveland Indians, Minnesota Twins, the Brewers. If everything comes together, the Mets. I, you know what? I'm a tip it. I'm going to say the Atlanta Braves win the World Series this year. The Atlanta Braves will beat 
the New York Yankees, I don't like saying that, but the Atlanta Braves are going to win the World Series this year, and uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be the MVP of the World Series. That is what my prediction is. So that, I think, is a good stopping point. I gave you my predictions. I gave you everything else that I think about what's going to happen with the Cleveland Indians this year, a team that I believe are going to win and compete more than a lot of other teams will. So, again, guys, if you have any questions, if you have any thoughts, If you have any comments, hit me up in the Facebook group, in the comment section below, or head over to Twitter and at me. Tell me who you think are going to win each division. What do you think about the Cleveland Indians this year? Do you think they're going to be a team that's competing for the playoffs, or do you think they're going to be a team right around 500? If you guys have any future show ideas, let me know. But until next time, this is the group chat. This is episode three. I'm Matt. Have a great rest of your night. Peace.